Well, good afternoon. I'm going to start by reading a poem. Sometimes life is just tough. I want to run away, just be gone, check out. I long to hide away and bury my head in my hands. To just cry till I'm all cried out. Done, no tears left. Cry till all the sad is gone. But none of this will do. I get up each day at the crack of dawn. I will continue the endless motions that make this life of mine work, putting one foot in front of the other, over and over again. I think this poem catches something of the reality of life for a great many people. Life can be hard and painful at times, and the weak and vulnerable suffer. Death is real, and it separates us from the people we love. It hurts. In our passage today, Paul talks about this kind of sadness, which he calls groaning. He tells us in verse 19 that creation groans. In verse 23, we who trust Christ and know him are groaning too. And surprisingly, in verse 26, we're told that God groans as well. God the Holy Spirit groans for us, longing with us for something which will happen one day, but which has not happened yet. So what is this all about? Paul has been explaining his message in this letter to the Romans. The world is in a mess, but it's not God who's made mistakes. It's us humans. We turn our backs on God and try to live without him as if the world was our own place. And that cuts us off from him. He wants us to live good, fulfilled, worthwhile lives. He wants a world where people look out for each other and take care of each other. But in trying to run our lives without him, we've made a right mess of things. Instead of love and caring, we find selfishness, self-centeredness, looking out for number one. On the large scale, we find wars, famines, exploitation and greed. Everybody suffers as a result. The worst of it is that no matter how hard we try to fix the problems, we don't succeed. The trouble lies in the human heart. No matter how hard we try, we cannot reach God's standards. But the amazing story which Paul unfolds in Romans is that God himself stepped in. He knows that we can't help ourselves and he's done for us what we could never do. He sent Jesus to die for us and to rise again to take away our sin and guilt. We have to trust him to do this for us. If we receive his forgiveness and his new life as a gift, and God's Holy Spirit comes to live in those who believe this message. And together, we start to model God's ideal society. But life can still be hard for us at times. We're not exempt from all the hard knocks that affect everyone. Our reading began with this statement in verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of the present time 
are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So what is it that we're longing for? What is it that's going to happen one day but hasn't happened yet? Paul uses words like the revealing of the sons of God, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul says creation is longing for this time to come, but until that time the creation keeps groaning. The natural world has been subjected to futility or frustration. It cannot be what God intended for now because of the effect of sin. It is in bondage to death and decay. It's as if creation is in labour, trying without success to bring to birth a glorious future time when God's people will be revealed. The heavens and the earth will be made new. Jesus will be our king. We will reign with him. There will be a new world order of justice and peace when all the bad stuff will be forgotten. We'll be reunited with those who've gone before. That is what's going to happen. And we who love Jesus, we groan too. We are waiting for our adoption as God's children, the redemption of our bodies. We're not waiting to float off to heaven, but to receive wonderful new bodies which will never grow old and weak and won't wear out. We will live in our new bodies, rather like the body that Jesus had after his resurrection, in the renewed heaven and the renewed earth. And then we will live gloriously, more real than we are now, with no aches and pains and no sin and no failure and no more death. That is our hope. Do you know, God is so looking forward to this future that he groans as well. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. But there's more. Verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God does not promise that we'll never have any woes if we trust him. We're not guaranteed an easy life. No, he's saying that he works in all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And what purpose might that be? He goes on to tell us. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's purpose in choosing us to know him and love him is to make us like his son. God wants people to be like Jesus, renewed in the image of God. And he's determined to do it. If we've put our trust in Jesus Christ, we can be sure that this will happen. We will share in that glorious new age, we who have been called according to his purpose. So it's okay now to groan when things are tough and when we struggle with our old nature and feel the pain of bereavement. But let's keep our focus on the glorious future which God has promised. Why not read that passage right now? Romans 8, 31 to 39.
What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening.